You have wonder what you would be able to do if you were the ultimate version of you, right? You would then have an easy time creating what you want, and yes, effortlessly enjoying life too. Now, you may know this already, the influence you have over your reality is far beyond what you've been told. Soon, you realize that your outer world is merely a mirror of your inner world, and we're here to connect the dots for you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to God Mode. We will disclose powerful cheat codes for those of you who know you're ready to win or win bigger and to be the ultimate you because it's time. Presented by Upgrade, we are programmers of the human mind. And if you're here listening carefully, we will show you how to rewrite your codes that govern your reality. Till now, these cheat codes have been only offered to those who are privileged to be within the inner circle of the true masters. Now, enter God mode. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to God mode is a special episode today because we have a special guest, Jeff Seconder, a friend and a special individual that I met when I was visiting Miami and, and I was with a number of individuals that are very, very skilled in the world of investment. And as I got to meet Jeff and spoke with him, even in the brief first few, few minutes, I begin to discover that there's a unique story, unique maybe an understatement, frankly. It's an inspiring story that I think that if you get to hear and you truly listen and pay attention, you will find many of his mental strategies that are frankly Godmore worthy. And so I wanted to bring him on today because I think that some of you may need to hear this message today. Some of you might be like, I have loved ones that are struggling. Jeff's message may not only change their lives and your lives, it may actually, who knows, save a life or two or many. So I wanted to bring him on. Thank you so much for being on with us, Jeff. Absolutely. Excited to be here, Will. I appreciate it. And I know you've got a really special podcast, so very grateful to be here. Absolutely. Hey, if you don't mind, let's jump right in. Love to, love to ask you to share with the audience to tell us a little bit about you without holding back at all. Don't be humble. Yeah. Like I want you to really just tell us about who you are, what you do now and, and the level of success. Literally don't hold back. Okay. Awesome. So yeah, I'm 29 years old, uh, living in Miami, Florida. Uh, currently I run a hedge fund that has uh, over 200 investors now and tens of millions under management. And then I have a uh, financial education and consulting company as well that has uh, just over 55 employees now and we'll do on track for 20 million this year. So you know, I've had a lot of explosive growth really the past five years, but it um, wasn't always like that. And, and more importantly, too, not just like, you know, money and business and stuff, but I'm super healthy. Uh, I'm probably like 12% body fat. I work out every day, not because I have to or I'm competing, um, just because I, you know, I get to work out, which I think it's, is a different, you know, mindset shift that people probably need to have. Um, so very healthy, happy. I moved my mom down here from uh, from Columbus, Ohio, to have help her start a new career and and start pretty much a new life uh, down in a warmer area. So I bought a condo and uh, moved her in there. Um, and yeah, I've impacted. You know, we've had thousands and thousands of clients now through businesses that have allowed people to you know break out of their nine to five, invest more money, learn financial literacy. Uh, increase their credit scores, which in terms, uh, you know, saves them tens of thousands of dollars. Also donated, uh, you know, tens of thousands to different causes that I care about. And um, I'm starting another uh, a mission to help another uh, niche here this year, uh, specifically helping people that are coming out of like addiction, you know, and rehab uh, places to uh, help get their credit scores up because, that was something that I really, really struggled with. So what I found is like I had a big, you know, pain 
in the, you know, the first 25 years of my life about, and I've uh, done a pretty decent job turning that pain into a purpose and using my drive to uh, completely change my life, but also have the ripple effect on the amount of people that we impact, not just, you know, clients, but I think about all of the employees and contractors and all their families and, and everything. So it's been really, really inspiring. And honestly, you know, if I, if you were to tell me five years ago that I'd be anywhere uh, close to where I'm at, I would not even come close to believing that to be true. And when I think about, and even tell other people that know me really well now about what I used to, you know, what my previous really, you know, life was, um, people don't believe it. And I almost don't believe it either because it's such a dramatic shift that I've had, uh, you know, coming, coming from where I was to where I'm at now. So it's pretty cool to look back and see that and also to see the impact that we've been able to have as well. Yes, this is awesome. Man, I think you guys are really in for a treat to, to hear more from Jeff because what he has shared with you and his success so far, I mean, he's, he's still being humble. I think there's a lot more that he hasn't yet had the chance to share just yet, just the nature of time. But we're going to ask more questions. And I think that as you guys continue to pay attention to this, you will uncover some very specific decisions that Jeff made along the way that made us or, or made him who he is now and gives us an opportunity to get to know him better. So tell us a little bit about the past, because I know you hinted a little bit about, you know, how your old, you had an old life. And, and if you don't mind sharing a little bit about that old life and or that old problem that you had. Yeah, for sure. So I grew up in, you know, I was born in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, moved to uh, Columbus, Ohio, and my parents were together for the first about seven years of my life. I ended up getting divorced and they, you know, started their entrepreneurship journey kind of like right when they were getting divorced. So a lot of stuff was going on when I was little. And I, I realized that I actually associated the, like the level, like a high level of stress relative to not having a lot of money from an early age, because I saw like that was right around when 2008 was happening and they got divorced and moved out of a big house to smaller houses and all this stuff is all happening at one time. So I think from an early age, I'm like, I got to figure out a way to get after the money to feel like I've got security and to feel like I've got less stress. So I was always doing little stuff when I was a kid, like, you know, I started a landscaping company. I sold lemonades, you know, on, on corners. I dust my parents' baseboards. I did all these little sold baseball cards, did all these little things to get after the money. And I don't think I really realized it until I'm out where, you know, where I'm at now. Um, and then in high school, I you know was hanging around the the popular you know crowd, playing varsity football. And my senior year, I was chasing uh, the best receiver on our team, and I tripped over his legs, and I fell and put my uh, my arm out to catch myself, and it like kind of brought my arm way up, and it tore all the muscles in my ribs. And then my, you know, I immediately my coaches saw me like my my arm was kind of just dangling, and people were like. Is, is everything all right? I felt something was really off and it didn't hurt that bad, but it definitely felt like I did something. Um, and then, you know, that apparently filled with blood and that the blood dried on all of my muscles there. And then every time that I, you know, about, you know, six to 12 hours later, it started to really hurt. And every time I would breathe or walk or honestly move almost in any direction, um, it hurt extremely bad. So they ended up prescribing me Percocet and, uh, my senior year. And I started to take those as prescribed and then realized that it kind of gave me energy. And it also allowed that injury to not hurt as bad. So I could go back into the gym and I could start, you know, playing again. And <clears throat> I, I began to build a tolerance. And when I ran out of those, next thing you know, uh, I start to do, you know, the, the, the next thing, which then jumped into like Opana's and it slowly just became an issue. And next thing you know, I'm working, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm dealing with uh, the Mexican cartel and dealing with a lot of bad people that uh, literally, you know, have guns on their hips at all times. And uh, you can't get drugs this time because this person just got shot in the back of the head. And uh, just hanging around a lot of, uh, you know, bad, bad people, which I never envisioned my life to be like that because I come from like a pretty decent you know, family and I felt like the black sheep. Um, and I, and for four years, you know, when I got out of high school, that problem kept evolving and evolving. And, you know, I always told myself that I was going to be able to get, 
out of it and be able to fix my life and not ruin like my family's reputation. And I always wanted to be successful and have money. And I would, I started this new business and e-com business. I would drive on the weekends to this, these outlet malls that were like an hour, hour and a half, three hours away. And I'd go buy like 80 pairs of shoes and then uh, discounts and I'd sell them on Amazon. And I was like doing all these things. And I, and I was also, by the way, simultaneously like selling weed and, and uh, things. So I was in the whole, like, you know, the frat life and in college and uh, was, you know, still passing school. Everything looked like it was good on the outside, by the way. Like I still looked decently healthy. I was getting a 3.0, a 3.2 in, you know, business finance at the university of Kentucky. Everything's looking good. I'm on track, but I'm telling myself, cause like two years into the opiate problem, I'm like, dude, this is really bad because I would wake up and if I didn't have something, I'd start yawning. I've got teary eyes. I get the chills. I start to have like have the flu and I just couldn't operate. Um, and I knew that I'm like, wow, I've started to dug, dig myself into a hole. And, you know, four years go by after, you know, the, the second year that I was doing it, um, I, I, I was like, I got to stop. And I started to try to stop. And for four years, I tried to stop all the way through the end of college Right when I left, uh, graduated college, I started to work for the largest um, bank inside the United States in asset management. And I always wanted to be like a private wealth advisor. So I thought this was like my dream job. And I got in, you know, to that and, and uh, I started to, you know, fix my, try to fix my problem. I'm reading books. I'm hiding money and drugs from myself. I'm, you know, screwing over past dealers to try to get away from them. I'm taking all these personal development courses to try to get, better and try to get my life on track. And I start to, you know, dig myself into a lot of debt. So I started to take out loans. So I blew through all the money that I had built up from selling weed. And then from also from all the businesses that I built, uh, specifically the e-com business. And I'm, you know, working for, you know, the largest bank inside the United States. And I'm like, this is supposed to be what I'm, you know, doing. And I get, I get licensed, I get my series seven and 66. And I'm like, all right, this is it. I'm going to commit and, and be done with this. And the doctors, I, I, oh yeah, by the way, I saw multiple doctors and they, all they did, I started to go to methadone clinics because I, at this point I'm on fentanyl and I was literally spending about $1,200 a day, um, at, at my worst, which is a lot. And, um, and they put me on, you know, meth, I went to a methadone clinic and then I stopped going to the methadone clinic. Then I got on Suboxone. And I got on and off of Suboxone, which is a drug that kind of helps you get off of the opiates, but it's just another opiate and it has a much longer half-life. So the whole thing is all screwed up because now you get addicted to this next thing. It really can also, you know, screw up your life. And I, you know, was taking that and, and on and off of that. And then next thing you know, I'm, you know, I took out a bunch of loans. I was buying crypto. This is during, you know, 2017 when crypto is going nuts taking out loans, buying crypto, selling crypto, trading it to feed my whole problem. Next thing you know, we hop into 2018, the whole market goes down. I have a $1,200 a day, a day issue. Then my credit scores I'm starting to get late payments. I'm living in my dad's basement at this point. Um, I've pretty much isolated myself from everyone and everything that I've had because I didn't want to you know, get other people involved. And I wanted to try to fix this thing on my own and just stay in my own lane and figure it out. And, um, you know, I, I, I fell asleep twice in my uh, Honda Civic that I was leasing and hit another car. And then I went off the road into a snow pile and, um, uh, my parents just see me looking like Casper, the ghost. I'm like 30 pounds underweight. Cause I used to be like super fit and I just lost a ton of weight. Cause all I'm doing is opiates and maybe eating one meal a day. And I just look terrible. And I have, you know, no, no friends, no connections, don't know, you know, where I'm heading, living in my dad's basement, don't know what's next. My back is up against the wall. I'm 60K in debt at this point in time. And, you know, the, the, the one thing that I knew was my parents kept trying to convince me to go to rehab. And I knew that most people don't, they go back in seven times and it never freaking works. And I don't want to be around those people because I know, you know, quote unquote, what those people are like. And I finally get to a point where um, I, you know, my, I, my, my mom finds this place in Columbus and I 
drive there. I'm using my last sick day at work, by the way. So this is my last sick day. I've pretty much got no other uh, exit. I've got no other credit lines. My bank accounts are negative balances. I'm starting to get the late payments. And I go into this outpatient that my mom found online and said, hey, just go get an assessment here. So I, and by the way, to give you full context too, I, I was on, you know, on and off of Suboxone. And if you take it too early, you know, where, where the, the previous opiates are not out of your system and you take it too early, it puts you in something called pre-precipitated withdrawal, which puts all of the withdrawals that you would have had over probably a month or two and just compresses them into a very short window of time um, in like a five day period of time. So I was stuck in my dad's basement and trying to, you know, get off. I'm hearing footsteps above from, you know, my dad trying to live his normal life. And the we get a huge rainstorm, the basement floods. I'm throwing up like stomach acid and um, because I took the medicine too early and I'm going through withdrawal. And then I, I'm like, you know, that was three days of that. And I finally just went into this outpatient place called Cornerstone. And, uh, and I went into that place and I did an assessment with them and I'm like, you know, I can't even drink water. So I, I look terrible. And the guy, I walk in and try to talk to the guy for two hours without throwing up. And he just says like, Hey, like you're way too bad. Um, you, there's no way that you're going to this, this outpatient place. You got to go to our inpatient place, uh, in, in, in Knoxville, Tennessee. And I'm like, okay. And then my dad, uh, you know, right when I stepped out of there, I was planning on just going into work, which would not have been a good idea because I had, you know, no more sick days. And right when I step out, I call my dad and he's like, hey, what did they say? And I'm like, yeah, they told me that I got to go to this inpatient place. And he's like, well, what do you think, Jeff? It, you know, now's probably the time that you got to take care of this. And I finally just gave in and said, you know what, um, I'm going to go. So, I, I got nothing else that I can really do at this point. So I just committed and said, I'm going to go. And I go in there. I go into detox for about five days. And then I go into this other facility after I get out of detox. And they, you know, don't, they put you on a little bit of stuff to wean you off. And they take you off everything completely, which is the best way, in my opinion, to, to do it. And I use that as a place for me to reset. So like I said, I was trying to help myself and get out of this problem you know, for so long that I was reading all this personal development and books and finding all these ways to try to be a better person and try to, you know, fix my trajectory of where I'm heading. And, you know, I, and I've seen, by the way, like four people from my high school die of opiates. My aunt died of, of opiates. Um, I go into rehab. I talked to my, you know, a counselor there that I really connected with named Christopher him and I had been, you know, studying a lot of personal development stuff completely separate, but we connected on a lot of things immediately on, you know, things about from like Jim Rohn and Les Brown and, and uh, John D. Martini and all these things. So he helped me realize that all my beliefs were likely screwed up about my past. And I started to figure out that I'm just escaping my life because I don't actually enjoy my life. And that's why the problem kept snowballing. Obviously, there was a few other things. But what I realized is, man, I have a really great opportunity right now to create a foundation for myself to be able to change and evolve into the person that I want to be. And I'm going to use this as a place to reset and ultimately rewire my brain into believing that I need to be pursuing what I really want to in life and figuring out what my values are. And I had an idea because I took John D. Martini's course around values and things like that. So I used, uh, you know, the rehab as a place for me to reset and just be like, you know what, screw everything that I previously believed. I'm forgetting everyone that I, you know, was hanging around. I'm going to change my phone number. I'm starting from scratch. I get out of there, um, come back, fly back to Columbus. And then I go to their outpatient, which is the place that I originally interviewed with. I go there for nine weeks. Then I get out and I go try to go back into the corporate world and I realize, holy crap, this just doesn't align with my values. And that's exactly why I am escaping my life because I'm doing things that I don't enjoy doing to try to please what everyone else believes is the right thing to do. And I said, you know what? I started a personal brand myself. I read a book called Crush It by Gary Vee. He's talking about how personal branding is the future and how you need to be building a personal brand. And I just started to build a personal brand. 
and I, I built it all around uh, my my financial future because I realized, why am I in a corporate job? Well, I thought that was the thing to do, but now I just need money. And why are the other 80% of people that really don't want to be there, why are they there? They need money. So maybe I should figure out this money thing and this finance thing. And, and that's what I started with was my credit because I'm like, well, I can't get out of my dad's basement. I can't get a new car. I can't pretty much do anything until I fix my credit, the late payments and the collection that I had. So I started to just research everything I can about credit and learn that um, I had to, you know, get the late payments removed. I had to negotiate with the banks to lower my interest that I'm paying. Uh, I learned about business credit, how I can move personal credit over to business uh, credit cards, be able to move the utilization off my personal credit to bring up the score, learn all these things. And I started to just talk about that online and just talk about my journey and what I'm doing financially. I was too, I was too scared to talk about, you know, what I actually just went through and what caused the, that problem. Um, and I started to just build a brand and everyone like really resonated with what I was like talking about online. And I could talk about how I built the brand and everything, but that's probably a whole nother discussion. And I got to the point where um, I, my corporate job then starts to ask me, hey, you're talking about finance and these other things about investments and credit and stuff online that can be like perceived as financial advice. And just you, you're not allowed to build a brand while you work here. And I was just like, OK, well, I guess that I need to go because if I don't go, I'm going to die. And that's what I decided, you know, because I also, by the way, my cousin, which, again, my family is a pretty good family. And I know I'm talking about people dying and stuff, but my cousin was in rehab at the same time that I was in rehab and he got out of rehab and uh, passed away from overdosing. And, um, you know, they found him dead in his apartment on, on Mother's Day. So I saw what has happened to my, you know, people in my family, my extended family, people in from my high school. And then I look at people like, you know, oh, there was a guy named Grant Cardone that also had the problem. He got out of rehab the same period of time that I did. I got out when I was 24. And he went the direction of just pr pursuing business and excellence and his potential. And I'm like, you've got two ways you can go, Jeff. You can go the route of, you know, people pleasing and doing what everyone else thinks you need to be doing and live the, the typical nine to five, or you can go pursue what you value and go after it. And when they said, I cannot build my personal brand, I said, I don't have a choice because I swear if I stay here and I keep living the life that I have, I am going to end up dead. Like there's no, there's no other way. So I said, uh, that was on a Friday evening. I literally left there Friday and I told my family, I'm like, hey guys, I'm about to go quit. And at this point in time, I'm still in a lot of debt. Terrible credit score. People, I just got out of rehab. So people were like, my family's like, that's the dumbest thing ever. How are you going to make money? And I just felt this feeling in my gut where this telling me, dude, you got to go do this. I'm getting chills, not because I'm going through withdrawals, because I'm feeling like I need to go after this thing. And I didn't know exactly what the thing was. So I actually originally, you know, started a marketing company when I, so I, by the way, I went in a Monday morning, turned my badge in at 8am and said, sorry, but I got to go pursue what I know I have to pursue. And I, you know, wish you the best. And I was out of there in 15 minutes. And the funny thing is I got this other guy hired there that I'm, I'm pretty sure is still working there. And he was a friend from my college. And he was like, dude, where, because I was packing up all my stuff. He's like, where are you going? And I'm just like, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sending it out of here. I'm, and he's like, what? And I'm like, I'm full sending it out of here and I'm going to do like what I need to do. And that was when the whole like full send thing was going kind of nuts back then. But my use, my, that was the mentality that I adopted is I got to be all in on what I know I need to do. And I went all in on building like, Hey, let's just focus on business, build a marketing company with another entrepreneur. And I kept building my personal brand, personal brand, and um, the marketing company did decent. I think we got up to like maybe $8,000 a month recurring, you know, but you've got to add spend and stuff. So it wasn't really that, that huge, but I was able to move out of my dad's basement and move into like a 900 square foot apartment with him. And then I kept building my brand, talking about credit, all that stuff. Then people were like, dude, how do I pay you to learn what you just did? And I launched like a, a basic course around travel hacking about how to use credit to get free points and travel for free. Cause I started to do a little bit of that. <clears throat> and that was like where I first started. And I made about five grand the first month. The next month I made about 12 grand. 
next month it was like 18 next month it was 25 and then 50 and then next thing you know i'm over a hundred thousand dollars in a month with pretty much no overhead and was able to climb myself out of debt completely and then i moved to san diego and that whole thing evolved into the business uh that i still have now um which is you know a financial education consulting company and uh you know started the hedge fund shortly after i started to have some success and money because i'm like hey i'm going to put money into crypto because i you know believe in it and might as well do it you know institutionally and maybe we raise money if we do well and everything is just kind of rolled into the next thing into the next thing and next thing you know i'm sitting here about five years actually dude five, um february 28th was uh five years ago was when i actually went into rehab so right now as i'm speaking i would have just been getting out of detox uh five years ago and um that's why it's you know pretty pretty insane to see like you know where i'm at now and because i'm i mean dude the life that i have is just it's crazy i mean i am top top one percent of earners and health and probably happiness and all that stuff and um, I was bottom, bottom, bottom of everything else uh, five years ago. And I didn't have, you know, you guys may be thinking, oh, were you, you know, did your dad teach you how to do all this stuff? Did you have this person that helped you like build this, you know, the start of your company? No, like nothing was nothing. The only thing I did is I went into more debt. I told you 60 grand in debt. I came out, had a little bit of room on uh, a credit limit and i went into more debt i believe at the peak i was like 80k in debt including like the car and the everything else but i invested the first thing that i did right when i got out of rehab i turned my phone on grant cardone sent me a freaking you know message about how he's got some sales boot camp or whatever and i'm like let's go try to do that and i couldn't afford it um and i figured out a way to just afford these smaller courses and uh, really learned a lot and just took massive action. And next thing you know, I'm sitting in a penthouse in Miami and um, I have a lot of cool stuff now. So that's about it. You want me to go deeper into any part there? Yes, yes, yes. I absolutely do want you to go deeper. Thank you for sharing that. That is, I mean, that is just an incredible journey. I, I want to point out a few things for the audience, if I may that you said that are very specific that jumped out at me. One was you observed money early on and, and you observed that as, you know, cause you, you were doing different businesses to make money. So yeah. you didn't associate anything negative with money. You saw money as a, a tool to be able yeah. to solve problems. Now, one thing that's interesting about a lot of people in this world, even some that are doing incredibly well, they at some point made a decision about money that may have a positive or negative association instead of just being a tool. And that actually can be a big limitation for many people. And we've worked with millionaires that have made a decision early on because their parents used to argue about money. So they set a limit in their mind. This is how much I can go, how far I can go. But beyond that, it's just pain and or divorce or this or that. So what's cool about your story was early on, you actually made a decision that it was a tool and it's still a tool. And, and I also noticed, um, and then I'd love for you to tell me a little bit more about a, a few specific things. I also noticed that you made a decision that there were two paths and one path was so extremely enticing versus the other path, extremely not enticing. And so you gave your unconscious mind a very clear direction. This is where we want to go. And yeah. so if I may ask you, like, how did you make that decision? Like, what, what did you decide? How did you go from where you were literally moments before to like, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. What was going on in your mind? Yeah, I mean, it was going on in my mind for four years. So... You know, the thing was, was like, I was so fed up with it because you got to realize if you can imagine having the flu like hundreds of times and also telling yourself that you're going to do this thing and you just can't do it for four years in a row and like just being at the bottom of, you know, the barrel and just feeling like, like you just don't, you're just not happy with yourself at all. Like 
there was one one time towards the end where my whole family's celebrating New Year's in uh, Nashville. And I'm sitting in my mom's like small apartment in downtown Columbus. And I'm I'm trying to go through withdrawal on the weekend so I can go into work on, you know, during the, the weekday. And I'm just sitting there like, you know, um, crying in the shower being like, dude, you are such a worthless POS piece of shit, honestly. And how like, look at yourself and look what you're doing and you're able to support no one. You can't even support yourself. Just like talking a bunch of shit to myself because I just felt so terrible about who I was. And I knew that that was not who I was. I knew that I had this better, this thing inside of me, somewhere inside of me that I knew there was something destined for greatness. And I knew that I could be much more than I was being. So I just felt really terrible. And I felt that way for years and years. And it compounded and compounded and compounded to the point where like any, any help that I could get, I just really desperately wanted it. And I finally found it, you know, a place to finally reset, which was in rehab and the specific, you know, so when I went in there, I knew that this is my chance. This is my chance to actually break away from it. And, you know, I, I had debt to uh, the dealer that I was like going to all the time. And I made my dad on the way to the airport, I made my dad stop by the dealer's house and literally pull out money out of an ATM so that I could pay the dealer off so that when I came back, there wasn't anyone searching for me and there wasn't anyone that I owed anything to. And I could just, you know, reset my whole life. And when I finally got out, I, um, I, you know, I think I, I mentioned this story is I was driving, you know, I, my car's getting fixed cause I crashed it twice. So I'm in my dad's like truck and I'm trying to go to the gym cause I know I got to focus on my physical well being first to build the uh, the foundation and get my brain chemicals back to normal cuz like I haven't been off of completely off of drugs in a long time. And this is the first, you know, 30 30 days, you know, right when I got out of rehab that I had been off of anything, which is crazy. And I'm like and I I I get in my dad's truck. I think this is like within the first 12 hours of being home and I'm like I got to go to the gym. Let's get my life back on track. And I get pulled over by the police for going like seven miles over the speed limit. So they're giving me a ticket and and then I'm pulling away from the cop. And right when I'm pulling away from the cop, my phone rings and it says from Netherlands and it's this number and I answered and I'm like, hello. And they're like, hey, Jeff, we're ready, which was the Mexican cartel saying, hey, we, you know, we got in trouble and we're back in Columbus and we we have stuff to give give you again. And you got to realize this is like, the moment where I'm like, okay, well, I'm either going back this route. So the first thing that I, I realize is I can, I've got this kind of vision of all the people, like I'm thinking in my head, all the people that just died from this, I'm kind of seeing my aunt and my cousin and the kids that I went to, you know, high school with. And then I'm also seeing, you know, Grant Cardone over here on the left. And it's kind of like, okay, you're coming up to this T in the road and it's right now. And which way do you want to go? And I just chose to go, you know, the higher route. And I just hung up on them, uh, blocked the number. They called me from another number, blocked that number. And then just, you know, went to the gym, came back home and and then eventually changed my number to make sure that um, that wasn't happening anymore. And now it's like, I never think about that stuff ever. Like, I don't, I feel guilty that I don't think about using ever, like, it's not even an issue. It's not even a thing that crosses my mind, um, which is insane because of how bad I, I really was. So, uh, but yeah, that was probably the moment when I knew like, hey, it's game time or you're, you're probably not going to make it. Wow. Those are some powerful decisions right there because, you know, I got chills multiple times as you're sharing this story. And what's, what's very powerful is at that moment, you saw clearly the path and the details of what would happen and you made a choice. And so it's really, it's a decision, right? And if I may, I know that your story is far more uh, significant in, in a sense that, you know, the, the level of what could happen in terms of consequences would be. But for some other people, like they may be addicted to not necessarily opioids, but they may be addicted to mediocrity. 
They may be addicted to being normal or pleasing other people. They may be addicted to not being who they really are because it gives them that validation or that that short term pleasure of hey i'm I'm okay, I'm good, and think about how many people are living a life that they know are not their truest potential. So I was just thinking as you're saying this, I'm like, wow, how often do we rise up and say no more? I'm going to go down the path of greatness and glory and actually live a life where I get to explore my true potential. So that is beautiful. Thank you for sharing this piece. Got more questions, if I may. Yeah, yeah go for it. So next question then, I mean, based on everything you've been saying, um, getting from where you were to where you are, it's nothing short of Marvel. At the same time, I do feel as I have met you that it was meant to be for you to get to where you are now, right? I, I can see just, you know, it doesn't take much for someone to recognize, oh, this person isn't just sharp there's something about them that they're going to do something incredible and they're going to continue to do something incredible. So I'm curious, what were some of the biggest learnings? Maybe like three of them, right? If you have some learnings that you're like, man, I learned this along the way that really got me to where I am. Kind of like a secret learning that you may not have shared before. If you, if you have those that would be willing to share. Yeah, that like helped me get out of uh, the situation that I was in. Yeah, and or any learning that going from point A where you were to point B now, whether it's learning that got you to be very successful or even learning that got you out of there in the first place. Any any of those? Yeah, I would say the first thing is um, the people-pleasing stuff. So I didn't realize how bad I was at this. I stayed in a toxic relationship for two years longer than I should have uh, throughout college. And it was really to try to help that person. Um, I was always trying to do things to impress you know, other people. Uh, hey, let's go get this corporate financial job that makes me look really successful with one of the largest asset managers in the, the whole world. And like... But, and I and I started to ask myself, why am I doing all these things? And then even when I got out of rehab and I, you know, first started to start my own company was I was like, all right, I'm going to it was before I even probably made a dollar in the company. I told my mom, I'm like, I'm going to I'm going to donate, you know, 20 percent of all the money uh, to to this cause to try to help other people get out of, you know, I think it was, re, you know, rehabilitation centers. And my mom was like you're still in $60,000 of debt. You can't even help yourself. Why are you trying to help other people right now? You got to take care of yourself. And that was a thing that I, I realized, oh, I was naturally going that direction of let me just try to please everyone else except for myself. And that was the first thing that I realized was I made this connection. I don't know if someone told me or if I just made it on a flight, but if you listen when you're on a flight, no one really does to the safety instructions. But they say, hey, if there's a problem and the oxygen masks come down, fix yours before helping other people. And why is that? Because you can't help other people if you're dead, right? If you don't have the oxygen, you can't go help other people. So it was like so me, true. I didn't have the oxygen my whole life. I'm just trying to help everyone else. And then I said, I literally went and flipped the whole script and said, I'm going all in on Jeff. And anyone that doesn't help me, get better as a human and do things that I value, then I'm out. I don't even care. I don't care if it's a family member. I've got no girlfriend. I got nothing at this point in time. I'm like, I don't care if it's my mom, my dad, my dog, my uncle. It doesn't matter who it is. I am not going to spend any time trying to please other people in society and my manager and all that BS. And I'm going to go all in what I you know think and know I need to do. So that was the first thing I think is you got to be asking yourself, are you making these big decisions in your life to try to please other people? Because that was the whole thing. I'm going down this whole path and escaping my life and almost killing myself because I don't have a life that I actually care about. And then when I said, you know what, let me stop caring about what everyone else thinks of my life and let me w live this one life to this fullest potential then I got some clarity on what the heck I want to do. And I started to go in that direction. And then I never even started to, you know, maybe it was a couple months after 
But once I really started to get in that groove and I got my brain chemistry back to normal, I do not think about using anymore at all. And it's because I know that I'm focused on doing what I, you know, want to be doing with my life and I'm, I'm inspired and excited. So I would say that's um, probably the first one is to stop people pleasing. You want me to move on to the next one here? Let me ask you this, if I may, just jumping in a little bit. Um, would you say that part of using the opioids previously was to give yourself the pleasure that you didn't give yourself, but you were giving to others? So now that yeah. because you're giving yourself what you want, you no longer need anything else. Would, yeah, would I would say that that's a pretty significant thing. I think that's probably a large portion of it. And I would also say that um, another large portion was me just kind of suppressing my ambitions because oh. I, I had an idea of what I was wanting to do. I had this somewhat vision, this cognitive dissonance of Jeff, I know you're meant for something big, but you're going to something small and you're going down a hole that is actually probably worse than even something small. And then I think I was using that over and over again to just kind of suppress and put off, you know, the thing that I wanted to actually do, because all I'm doing is I'm just putting myself to sleep and make myself numb. And that's really it. Wow. That is huge. Think of how many people suppress themselves. Using different yeah, with, means. It doesn't have to be with opiates. It could be with gambling. It could be with Netflix. It could be with all that type of stuff. Man, that is gold right there. So before you tell us any more learnings, if I may, I, I, I do want to point this out. I mean, if you are listening and you've been listening, you have recognized that not only is there hope, if someone, if anyone who's listening that may not be in a place that they want to be, there is not only hope. But I think there's much, much more. If you allow yourself to explore who you could be and unleash and allow yourself to go for your true ambition, your true potential, I could only imagine what that would be. Now, now here's the question then, Jeff, if I may, what would you recommend that young people or people of any age do if they were to ever feel like they're in that hole, like they feel hopeless, like they don't have a way out? What would you recommend to them? Yeah, I would always say that there is there is a way out. The, the tough part is you don't know that way out when you're in the moment. And the whole thing, you know, the saying everything happens for a reason. I really believe that. The problem is it takes a while to figure out what that reason is sometimes. And my whole you know reason on what I have now, the, everything that I have now was built around like the problems and things that I had for those six years uh, time when I'm, you know, trying to get out of that situation. So I would say that there's always a light at the end of the tunnel. You just got to believe that it's there. Even if you don't know exactly what it is, you will find out what it is. Why are you going through this problem that you're currently in? You will find out what that, you know, what that why is. But again, it takes time. All you got to do is have the belief and the, you know, the will to actually push yourself to go outside of you know your comfort zone and and go make things happen that you know you need to do, and you start to you know do the, most people know what the heck they need to do in life. Like I knew I had to get off drugs. I knew I had to get around good people. I knew I had to learn more, develop more, and start taking action on things I did. But I just wasn't doing it. So I would just say, look, it is tough in the moment, but realize there's a much better light right around the corner. That's awesome. Now. Uh, before my last question, which really goes back to, you know, the biggest learnings to continue answering that before I go there, I do want to ask you, cause I know that, you know, you currently have an education that teach people how to be educated financially. Now, of course, I'm not giving any financial advice here. I have some students that have actually gone through your training that have raved about your product and have said that it's just incredible and they have I mean, they've recommended to their friends and their family. Um, I'm just curious, like if the listeners, you know, we have very sophisticated individuals that are listening, uh, yet some of them might actually be not only finding your product to be extremely beneficial, but they may want to become a student or something. How would they find out more and where can they learn about your product and services? Yeah, I think the best thing to do is probably just send me a message. Um, on Instagram. That's where I'm kind of most active. Um, you know, our main like consulting company is called 0%.com. So I'm sure you could find some things 
on uh, on that site. But uh, depending on you know where where you're at in your financial journey and things, um, I haven't really made the leap to go. You know, we do we do talk about mindset stuff, but I haven't made the leap to like help people with you know uh, mindset stuff. I mean, you're the guy to go to on that, um, uh, or addiction or anything like that. But anything you know, credit finance, investing, that's what we, you know, primarily focus on. But I would say definitely, you know, check out my, uh, my YouTube and my, uh, Instagram and shoot me a message there. I'm pretty active. Yes, please do. I, I know that many of you who are listening, you know, I, I think that if you find what Jeff has said to be valuable, because think about this, it takes not only courage and intelligence and, and decision-making to get from where Jeff was to now think about how that same mindset of excellence when applied in developing a financial education, I can only imagine how great it would be. Right. Although I personally haven't yet had the chance to go through, but my students would not lie to me. They, they tell me amazing things. So I strongly recommend that if you guys don't follow Jeff yet, definitely go and check it out on his Instagram, follow him. And, and also, um, the 0%, what's the full name again? Uh, it's just zero percent.com. So if you use the number zero and then percent spelled out.com, um, that's perfect. That's our main site. Yeah. yeah. Check, check out that website. Now, um, if, if you would like to share with us maybe one or two more learnings, I think that the audience would find extremely valuable. So once again, like what other learnings now that you have created the success that you have and on the way to much, much more, what would you like to pass on to the listeners and share with them what, what you learned so that they may be able to skip some, some experiences, some hard times and some years? Yeah, I think the thing is like a lot of people, they get really busy in this thing that they're doing and they don't really have context on why they're doing it. And that was kind of what I was starting to go down the path on. And the thing, the key is to kind of get your, remove yourself from your body and literally act like you're looking down on your, like your soul's looking down on your body. Get some context of where you want your life to go and ask yourself from a non-biased point of view, am I actually doing the things that I really want to do that align with what I value in life? A lot of the times people are going to say no. And the main thing that I kind of uh, did to first even be able to get that type of mindset was I realized that my beliefs were everything. And I had screwed up beliefs because I was like judged when I was a little kid and kind of bullied. And uh, I was kind of the small guy until I got into my like my sophomore, junior in high school and I started to really grow. And I had all these terrible belief systems that I just adopted from everyone that was kind of around me and that just, you know, formulated over time. And I, re- and I read this quote before I even went into rehab and it stuck it's still probably my number one thing that I would say is important to understand is your beliefs become your thoughts, your thoughts become your words, your words become your actions, your actions become your habits and your habits become your destiny. So it's very simple to change your destiny, which is the result you get in life by simply changing what you actually believe in your mind. And if you can alter the belief systems that you have, that is ultimately going to impact your thoughts and words and actions and habits and destiny. And I would say that that is that is super, super key to realize um, before you start to go in a direction in life uh, where you realize, hey, I'm just doing all this BS because I believe that this is what I need to do. And then you get context of where you actually need to head. And you're like, no, that's actually the wrong thing. I'm doing everything because I believe that was the right thing. And then you say, let me rework my beliefs and start building a life that I actually want to live. And I think that is key because some people will they're really successful in business, but Really, that's not what they want to do. And they're just going down that path because they think that's the business they need to be in. But in reality, they know in the back of their head, this little voice saying, nope, go this direction. And it just takes time to, to, to really realize that. So I'd say that's a, probably another thing. Um, I can jump into the next one if you want me to. That's freaking awesome. Wow, that's it. That's definitely so true because people are so distracted by what yeah. they're doing that they think are the main thing, but it's not actually what they want to do. Yeah. If you want to jump into the last thing, like I would love to hear one more, if you have another that you'd like to share. Yeah. I mean, we've already kind of talked about trusting your gut and how that impacted uh, my whole situation. So I'm sure you guys kind of get the gist on that. The last thing I'd maybe say is like, after you find out what you really value in life and where the direction that you want to go, 
it takes time for the exponential growth to happen. The only reason why I was able to launch quick, somewhat quickly when I got out of rehab was because I put in years of work to try to you know, develop personally. And people literally in college were like, why are you buying these personal like self-help books? You, what is, what's wrong with you? And it wasn't really that obviously there was something wrong that I was trying to fix. But in reality, I just kind of craved growth. And a lot of people don't. And you can teach yourself to crave growth and, and education. And I would say that the reason why I had quick growth was because I spent all those years trying to become self-aware and, and become a better person. And then once I came out, I just got super consistent and I focused on my habits and building healthy long-term habits. And I've realized that consistency is so key. It's all about the small disciplines that you practice every day. And that is what builds compound success is when you keep going after a specific thing, you're consistent on the, you're consistent and persistent towards a specific goal and you, you're relentless in that pursuit. And the consistency is the hard part. People, most people can't do that. But the best people, no matter what you're talking about, you're talking about Michael Jordan or Warren Buffett or anyone that you think is highly successful, they are extremely, extremely consistent. And that is how you build compound interest. Your growth looks like a flat line at first. And then after it keeps compounding, all of a sudden, it rockets upwards because the growth grows on top of the growth, which grows on top of the growth. And if you look at Warren Buffett's wealth, you know, 90% of his, his wealth has been in the last like one fourth of his life. And it's because of compound interest. So I would say that that would be the last thing I mentioned. Mm, that's freaking awesome. That's very powerful. It's, it's like the, the saying, my overnight, my overnight success took years, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Everyone's, you know, you see people online with the great cars and all that stuff. You and I have good, nice cars and stuff. And people see that and they just think that like, yeah, that you just automatically assume that there's not much more work that goes behind it. But in reality, it's been a lot, a lot of, a lot of time and energy and effort that goes into that. And everyone can do that. Everyone has the potential in them that's listening to this. You just got to realize that it takes a ton of commitment and it's not super easy, but if you want it bad enough, you can definitely make it happen. Man, this is incredible, Jeff. Thank you for the beautiful things that you've shared with us and being vulnerable and willing to share your story and, and how you got out of it and what you've learned along the way. I think that not only is this episode going to help lift those who might be at the bottom of things, but it will also continue to inspire those who are doing well, but you're, they're distracted by the things they're doing instead of thinking about and focusing on what they really want to do. So once again, thank you so much. I think that uh, it's been valuable not only to the audience, but for myself to hear your story in this perspective and to be able to ask you some questions. Once again, thank you so much. This is superb. Thank yeah, you. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Will. I'm excited to be here. Yes.